Welcome to the Sand Hills Media Ministry. We hope this production encourages and challenges you to live a more Christ-centered life. Oh, I'm so always humbled by his introductions and don't feel like I live up to any of it. Uh, but it's great to see all of you this morning. Are you ready for that huge yeah, television event we've got coming up in, uh, this evening? Right, four hours of watching uh, commercials with kind of like a sporting event between the commercials. I don't know what it's called, but I just, I know like most of us, we may not be uh, Kansas City Chief fans or San Francisco fans, but we do watch it just for the commercials. However, I do know that there is a massive Kansas City Chiefs fan in the building. Do you know who that is? It's Pastor Jeff. So pray for him because he's going to be so into that game later on today. His eyes are going to be glued on his favorite Kansas City Chief, Taylor Swift. <laughs> All right. Yeah, he wasn't here for the first service, but I know he's here now, so I was hoping you'd hear that. All right, this week we are going to finish our two-week look at biblical community. And I was just so thankful last week for Dr. Kuroto being here, uh, sharing Hebrews 10, 19 through 25 with us as a central passage. And he, he brought out three exhortations in that passage for all of us as believers. The first one was, let us draw near to God. The second one is, let us persevere in our faith. And the third one was, let us provoke one another to love and good deeds. And he said that all of this was necessary because we as weak people are prone to wander from our faith, to wander from God, and we needed that reminder to bring us close to him. And then maybe the point that made the biggest impact on me is that we can't do that and he said this, we can't do that unless we're close enough to each other to make an impact into each other's lives. So really appreciated that message from Dr. Croto. We're going to look at biblical community again this morning uh, from a little bit of a different perspective. Uh, before they do the, I do that, would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for being with us this morning and um, meeting with us. And we thank you that there is so much community here, community being developed even right now. And we love the fact that you reached into our lives, that you saved us and rescued us. And we pray that against all of the forces of the world that you would continue to draw us close to one another and to yourself. We pray that you'd be with us in this message to open our minds to your truth, that we might be the people of God you've called us to be. Amen. So one thing I'd like to do before we get in the message, and this is really important, this does have something to do with the community. And we need to recognize all of the people leading groups this semester. We've got 57 groups. And so I'd like the people who are either leading or hosting a group, would you please stand? Come on now, don't be shy. Just stand briefly, let me show you. All right, let's give them a round of applause to all those folks. All right. And I just feel like we've got to pray for them too, right? Don't you think yeah, so? Yep. All right, let's do that. Heavenly Father, as we see those people that have uh, taken the time and been led by you and the courage to stand up and be recognized, um, that they've opened their lives and their homes um, to just to be with people, to share you with them, to share your word with them. And Lord, so I pray that you would protect them and guide them. I pray that uh, all of the people in this group together can help to grow one another in their faith, to edify one another in that. And we pray, Lord, that the witness of that community that they're building would actually be a witness to the world. That they could see what Christ-centered community is and how different it can be when people gather, when they're filled with the Holy Spirit, when they love you and love one another. 
So we pray, pray that you would bless them and be with them. Amen. Amen. All right, so I'm here with our assistant pastor of discipleship, Pastor Craig. I'm very excited to do this um, with him this morning. He hasn't been with us for too long, so I think a good beginning to this message about biblical community would be for you to share some of your story. And, I, and I, I'm asking him to do that for two reasons. The first is that he's new, and I think he'd be good, new in this role, and I think it'd be good for you to hear some of his life as one of your pastors, hear about his life. But also, I think his story really will reveal some aspects of biblical community that are important to us. So how long have you been at Sandhills? How did you become a pastor of discipleship? Why is discipleship so important to you, Pastor Craig? Okay, it's good to be with all you this morning. And so, uh, yeah, Katie, my wife Katie, our son Elijah and I have been here at Sandhills Community Church since 2012. Um, but Tom and I started working together in 2019, and I was just sort of in the background, uh, very much a support role uh, for a couple of years. And then at the beginning of last year, the uh, elders got together and created an assistant pastor position in the discipleship ministries and offered that to me. And uh, we just felt like this, this was uh, the Lord's, you know, kind of opening up the door for us. And so mm-hmm. said yes. Um, so that on a practical level, I'm here today because of that as well. Um, but when I think about being involved in discipleship ministries, there's, there's two other things that come to mind, sort of some theological things, and, uh, and also just my story and uh, what the Lord has done in my life. And so theologically, when we look at the scriptures, we see that God chooses and teaches and forms his people throughout history. And we definitely see this in the life of Jesus. Um, he was sent by the Father from heaven, and a part of his ministry was to make disciples. And just before he was ascended into heaven, so after his death and his resurrection, there's a group of disciples he's with, and he gives you know, this command, which may be very familiar to us, but Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so even though Jesus is talking to a relatively small group of his followers, um, that command that he gave them is a command that then is given to us, the church. If we believe in Jesus Christ, if we have received his salvation, if we are his children, if we are a part of his body, um, this is something that we're all called to be a part of, making disciples. Um, and so, kind of taking that, and then my, my own story, uh, when I look back on my life, and so I'm 45 years old now, um, I came to know the Lord when I was 10 years old, and over that time period, it really amazes me to see the number of people the Lord has brought along the way to encourage me in my own relationship with him, to teach me what it means to be a man who is following after Jesus. And so 
I think in a lot of ways, when I, when I look at that and the deposit that the Lord has put in my life, it was a gift that wasn't just meant to be received, but one that was meant to be then shared and given. And um, one of those stories kind of, I don't know, when I think about a, a, a really meaningful period in my early years as a believer, I was about a freshman uh, in high school, um, there was a family who lived next door to me, my family, in our neighborhood. They were believers. And it was actually through them um, that I came to know the Lord. And so um, they ended up starting a youth group at their house. Their church was, at that point, was sort of uh, building a new building and uh, they didn't have a place for the youth group to meet. They didn't have a, a youth group. And so they started that. And I remember going over, you know, to my neighbor's house, sitting around their dining room, dining room table and having my first Bible study. Um, they were the ones who gave me my, my first Bible. And uh, because that group began to grow, the church actually hired a, a youth pastor named Mark Moody. And uh, he was a, uh, it was between his junior and senior year in college. And he actually ended up staying at that house next door uh, for the summer between uh, those years. And me, a good friend of mine who is my neighbor, and another friend, so me, Aaron, and John hung out with Mark Moody uh, for the summer. And uh, Mark was really, he was a fun guy, lots of energy. Uh, really warm, but he was also intentional. He spent tons of time with us. Uh, we went on hikes together. Uh, we, went, we went and worked on a farm together for a week in Iowa. Um, we had Bible studies uh, with him. He taught us how to share our faith, and we actually went out into our neighborhood and, and shared the gospel with you know, some people there. And it was just, I don't know, it was this key period in my life um, that really set the trajectory uh, for my high school years and then beyond because somebody spent time with me and poured into me and loved me and taught me how to, you know, follow the Lord. And so, yeah, I think you taught you how to be a real disciple of Jesus Christ. And that word disciple or discipleship, which is our job and kind of our life in ministry, uh, it's a term that's not used commonly anymore in like our regular speech. So, Craig, how would you define what a disciple is? What's discipleship? Yeah, so a disciple is someone who learns from Jesus, follows his teachings, and imitates his life. And so when we talk about being a disciple, we're essentially saying we're students of Jesus, and we want to be like him. Um, and this you know, sort of way of life takes a lot of humility mm. um, because it means that we're going to be transformed as we're interacting with the word, we're interacting with the Lord, we're gonna be changed. Um, uh, Paul says in Romans 8.29 that one of the, God's great purposes in your life and in my life is that we are being formed into the image of Christ. And so when that's happening, it also means that we're duplicating ourselves, essentially. Hmm. Uh, we're doing in our life what others have, have done uh, to us. We are telling people about the gospel, and we're helping others to be Jesus imitators too, you know? Um, and it's important to remember that all of this really is flowing out of a love relationship 
with the Lord. And it's love and service toward other people to do that, to make disciples, you know, among our community, so. I think one of the really critical biblical truths that comes out of your story is that we're created for connection. You know, we obviously know that as we come to Christ, we're really just captivated by the gospel and him. We have a strong connection with him. And some of us, being Americans who are so individualistic, may not realize that God has also created us for connection with each other. And both of those things are critical for us to grow in our faith. I think even a connection with one another, the people in this building, fellow uh, believers, uh, when we're closely connected with them, it also allows us to be closely connected with God and vice versa, right? So we love because he loved us first. And I had a similar experience to you about how that close connection really helped ramp up my spiritual life. When I was a teenager, similar story, except a little bit different, I wasn't close to my family. And uh, you know, I came to Christ through the back of a JT Chick track, which is a little crazy. <laughs> and so, you know, there's Catholic churches everywhere, there's nobody's really explaining and teaching the Bible, telling me who Jesus was. But I did find a Baptist church. And uh, as soon as I went to that church, the youth pastor there made a beeline for me. Uh, he greeted me. He invited me out to youth group. And from that point on and for the next several years, he invested his life in me. He became a surrogate father to me in many ways. Uh, his name was Neil Alcott. And we spent a lot of time together going over the scriptures and studying theology and all this stuff. And that was all great, but it was that connection that we had with one another mm -hmm that really grounded me in who I was. And so all of those difficult times that we all go through as a teenager, he was there for those times. And I know I could trust him and rely on him and go to him with different things and he would share biblical wisdom with me. I'd have meals with his family and it was that connection that really strengthened me in my walk. And I think this is a biblical principle that's, that's really early on presented in the Bible is that we need this connection with one another. In Genesis 2.18, it says it. It says, then the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So Craig, how does this show us that we're created for a connection? Yeah, it's interesting. This, this verse came up uh, last week when Dr. Curto preached. And then I think the week before, if I'm remembering correctly, yeah. uh, when Pastor Jeff was preaching on marriage, he, he mentioned this, this verse as well. And so the picture is, you know, God has created, and everything that he created, he said, it is good, it is good, it is good. And then in this one instance, he says, it is not good for man to be alone. And so that should uh, stick out to us. And what we see here is that, you know, this, this declaration is, is God's declaration. It wasn't Adam complaining. It was God saying, it's not quite right just yet. Hmm. And so Adam is in this perfect world. He has access to the presence of God. You know, God is there. And yet God says, it's not good for man to be alone. And so he makes Adam a spouse. And we could talk a lot about that, the husband and wife relationship and the way God made marriage and those things. But I think in general, what we also see is something that God has made in us. He's made us to not be alone. He's made us for community. And I think it's important to, to note here, it's, it's not that there was something deficient in God. It was that God made us 
that in a sense, we're deficient alone. We're made to connect. And so we're created for community and we're created for connection, I think is what we see there. Yeah, I think, I think that's true. We see that right at the beginning of the Bible and it becomes really evident in the New Testament as Jesus begins to talk about these, the church and the people that his followers and we start to see these metaphors that are given to who is this, this church, who is this people that follows after Jesus and so we're described as a temple with all of these building blocks interconnected like Legos um, that, that grow up to become and represent Jesus. Uh, but one of the metaphors that speaks the most strongly to me is the body metaphor in 1 Corinthians 12 and also Romans 12. And Paul just describes through the, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit this interconnectedness that we need with one another. Even though we may look so different from each other, and some of us might have gifts that we think are more valuable than others, the reality is, like the human body, it needs all of its parts in order to function well. Uh, one of the things that I really like that someone said at one point is, even though we seem so different in our gifts, like one person's the hand and the foot, which looks so different, actually every cell in the body has the same DNA. And that DNA marks you as part of that body. And that's true with us. Like Jesus has put his name on all of us. And so no matter where we are or who we're with, it says that we're together in Christ. Uh, Romans 12.5 says this. So we in Christ, though many form one body, each member belongs to all of the others. And so this isn't just kind of like a casual connection that we have with one another. God tells us that we should be intimately connected. And this seems great as we come together in this community. Many of you are connected in that way. Um, you know, it seems like this is the solution to every problem in our lives. However, there are some obstacles, and we know these exist. And I think Luke 9, 23 through 24 talks about this. And Jesus said, then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple, which we've talked a lot about, a follower of Christ, a learner after Christ, must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. And Jesus is introducing this idea that the path to being a disciple is gonna have to be a path of self-denial. And this really becomes important when you're trying to form community together, especially in this culture, right? Well, there's so much division over so many things. Uh, everything, socioeconomic, ethnicities, everything. And yet Jesus, and so we have these obstacles for us, but there's, there's a point where to be a disciple of Christ, we have to kind of deny ourselves. And I think one of the ways this plays out in community is that we have this natural resistance sometimes to come together with people that may not look like us or talk like us. And we have to kind of deny ourselves in order to reach out and connect with other brothers and sisters. I know that's true. Early on in my Christian life, going to groups where I felt like I was the only person there that was like me and I felt totally alone, you know, yet I felt by, pushed by God and the spirit to, to go just show up at that group and, and see those people and get to meet them. <laughs> then I found out there were other people that felt exactly the same way, but we began talking and we all had the same story about Christ's salvation for us and a love for his word and the calling that Christ had in his life. Then all of a sudden we began to glue together into that community. And so we have to realize that there's a natural inclination that we have that's gonna resist this, even though biblically it's presented us so strongly. Like this is the thing that makes us grow in our faith. This makes us thrive in who we are in Christ. I don't know, Craig, what do you have to say about this principle in this passage? <laughs> I'm starting to get a little fired up. No, it's great, yeah. 
Um, no, I think when, when it comes to love, community, interacting with each other, I, we, we really can't love without some level of sacrifice being mm-hmm. a part of that picture. And I think we see that in Jesus. I mean, he is the perfect example of that. Um, it also takes a lot of humility to both give in community, but also then to receive. Um, some of us maybe find giving easier, receiving harder, maybe vice versa. But it really takes a, a, a level of humility uh, to take that posture. And like Tom was saying, I mean, it doesn't take long to realize that, you know, I mean, we're all imperfect people. So uh, the community and the way we interact together, we can't be too idealistic about it. Um, we need to take the posture of Christ. We need to lay ourselves down. Um, but the promise is that we will receive life. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just misery in community, you know? Right. The life of Christ in you and in me, we get to share that um, even in our imperfectness. And uh, what we do see too, I mean, God loves us, um, imperfect, sinful people, um, and his love is perfect. And that's the kind of love that we're meant to express to, to one another in community. Yeah, sometimes I fear that our own insecurities and just resistance to this rob us so much of what God has offered for us. And in preparation for this message, it was interesting because uh, we're reading this book together called Creative for Connection. But in that, we realized that, okay, there are spiritual ramifications for not being closely connected with other people or even having bad connections with other people. But there's also physiological and even psychological implications uh, for not having these connections. The CDC has a lot to say about this. Uh, some recent research that I did says that social, social isolation and loneliness have become widespread problems in the United States, posing a serious threat to our mental and physical health. And social isolation and loneliness have been linked to increased risk for heart disease and stroke, type 2 diabetes, depression and anxiety, addiction, suicidality and self-harm, dementia, and earlier death. I mean, and so it affects us in so many different ways. And it goes on to say, uh, social isolation is the lack of relationships with others and little to no social support or contact. It is associated with risk, even if people don't feel lonely. You know, and so it's insidious where you see people that are alone, they say, hey, I'm good, but these things can affect them in a way that maybe they don't even realize. Uh, one of the astounding things that came out of reading this book together, uh, Created for Connection, which I stole the title for this message from, is in there it describes some research that was done uh, by a psychologist named Janice Kilcott Glazer from Ohio State University. And she took a little vacuum pump on, a woman, on the hands of women and made a little blister with it. So they were physically harmed by it. And then she had them fight with their spouse. And then she measured the reaction of healing on that little uh, wound that she gave to them. And do you know that the, the more intense the fight was, the longer it took for that to heal? You know, so it affects us. We don't even think about this, right? But physiologically, even having these bad connections affects us. And research would go on to say that similar things happen if you have no connection. And so we can, we can be uh, in these situations and not even realize it. And that's why our heart cry is that you do find connection and overcome some of those barriers. But some of us might say, hey, I'm an introvert, 
you know, does this apply to me? And what's the difference between all the things that you're saying and just the fact that I'm an introvert? How would you speak to that, Craig? So, as an introvert, <laughs> um, I really do think it's important to make a distinction being, between being an introvert and being isolated. Um, some of that is connected to our wiring, and then some of that could be connected to uh, the decisions that we make. And whether we're an introvert or an extrovert, we could be isolated from people and community. Um, so being an introvert may mean uh, that you prefer not to seek out intense social interactions as some extroverts might. But it doesn't mean that we weren't made to connect with the Lord or with other people. Um, and I think it's a bit of a misnomer uh, to say, there's sort of a joke out there. If you're an introvert, you, you don't like people. And I think uh, those of us who are introverts in the room would, would say that obviously that's not true. Now, being isolated means having little or no meaningful connections with other people. Being an introvert might mean that you prefer more quiet spaces, you know, to recharge. But the point here is that we were all made by God for meaningful connection with him and with other people. And so, you know, I don't know. For all of us, no matter if we're the most gregarious extrovert who can just talk to people all day long, you know, all week long, and that's just kind of the way it is, or if you're more reserved, um, the question here I think we need to ask is, do we really know others and are we really known by others? Are we meaningfully connected with other people who love Jesus? Yeah, and I think it's, you know, it's obvious from what we've been saying, and I think we all realize this, that having these strong connections with other people is the thing that brings us significance and fulfillment, security in life. But the Bible teaches that Christ-centered community, that kind of connection, uh, can give us so much more of any of those things. And I love the fact that in Acts 2, 42 through 47, there's such a picture of what biblical community is and people are deeply uh, connected with one another. I'm gonna read it for us. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved." So Craig, what characteristics of Christ-centered community do you see in this passage? Yeah, so we'll just break this down into, into parts here. So they dedicated themselves to the apostles' teaching. And so the word of God is at the center of their times together. Um, the fellowship, and so coming together and in this passage, we see that they came together in the larger setting, in the temple, and then they broke down into homes, and so smaller settings in homes. Um, and when they did that, in the smaller settings, so they, they broke bread together, they ate together. And so that was um, probably a regular meal, and then it was also the meal, it was communion, sharing in the celebration of the death and the resurrection of Christ. Um, and then, you know, within those contexts, they got to know each other. 
well enough to know that there were other people or people among that, that community who had needs. And so they would gather resources to help those who are in need. And because of that, like their lifestyle within um, you know, the city of Jerusalem there at that time became a witness. They were salt and light because of the way that they were living their life together in uh, you know, the broader com- community there. And so they were a witness of the work of Christ in them. Yeah, we love this passage. This has been one of the foundational passages uh, for St. Louis Community Church right from the beginning. It's on one of our walls over there. And just that picture of what Christian community should be is something that we want to replicate here at St. Angeles Community Church. So we want to take a minute just to say how we can take some of those principles and some of those characteristics that Craig described and how do we try to make them come alive here at St. Angeles Community Church. So we just walked through a couple of things. Um, we have one-on-one mentoring available. A lot of people don't know this, but if you're in that, in that position, maybe you're new to the faith or you're young, and you say, hey, I wish I had somebody like the youth pastor you've been talking about or another pastor uh, come beside me, kind of walk through the faith with me, that's available for you. And so you can sign up for that if you go to our website and you go to the Grow tab and then uh, click men if, you, if you're a man and click women if you're a woman. It'll bring you right there. You can register for that. And then we'll meet with you, appear somebody with you, and they'll even take a look at where you're at spiritually and have kind of like this custom-designed way of help you to grow in your faith. And so that's available for you. But not everybody has the time and availability to have kind of that intense relationship. And so we have a whole gamut of things that we try to offer people. And one of the reasons why we do this is because when we look at how Jesus discipled people, he had those close, intimate friends that he spent more time with, but then he was also in a group of 12 teaching them, and he taught groups of, you know, a hundred and a thousand and that kind of thing. So discipleship happens in all these different kinds of contexts, but with all of them, it's God's word, it's prayer, it's fellowship, it's taking care of one another, it's witnessing to the world. So we try to have all of those elements in everything we do. A lot of this happens through some of the groups that we offer. If you look in the chair back in front of you, there is another card. We love to talk about the chair backs in front of you so we keep everything. But this morning, it has a description of the different kinds of groups that we offer. And so you can sign up for these online. You can scan the QR code or you can go in the lobby and, and meet the folks for the groups that are still open. But for some people, that, especially that are new, I just want to explain this a little bit. So right now, and we do this uh, for a full semester, which is about three months, We've got community groups, which are just normal Bible studies. You can go and meet at somebody's house, and that has all of the things that we talked about. Uh, but in trying to figure out how to get people into community, uh, we realized that there are a lot of people on the periphery that didn't feel comfortable in those Bible studies, and so we added something called an activity group. And so people come together around a common interest, like playing board games or sewing or fishing or even working on cars. And uh, the people that are leading those groups are very intentional about also bringing Jesus into it, about connecting closely with each of the people there, praying for them, uh, sharing a devotional with them. And so those groups are are really a place for you if you don't feel comfortable in the traditional Bible study. And amazing things have happened with that. So we've got something called the Good Samaritan Auto Care Ministry, which is a whole ministry into itself. But several years ago, that started as an activity group with Pastor Jeff meeting with a few guys in the back, Mm -hmm. you know, changing oil with cars. And now they have a whole ministry to people, which is amazing. Uh, We also have Sandals University, where we Mm -hmm. try to give people uh, the opportunity and the place where they can ask deeper questions about the Bible, um, where they can investigate it in a deeper way. 
Pastor Craig has got a great class, which is great for people that are newer in the church too. Just take a minute and just tell us about that. Yeah, so my, my class is uh, entitled Know What You Believe. And so we go through 20 questions um, about Christianity. And so just working through the scriptures to know what is the message of the Bible? What is the gospel? Who is God? And, and those sorts of things. And so, yeah. One of the things I love about that class is we encourage people to ask any and all questions they have. And so if you've had questions build up for years about Jesus or the Bible or any of these things, you can go to Pastor Craig's class and he would love to answer all his questions. And then we'll uh, go to you. Tom and <laughs> see what he has to say. <laughs> yeah, that's a great place. And even if you're kind of been in the faith for a while, but you get some questions about some things, that's a great place to go. We also are doing different books of the Bible there. And so we'll go deeper into them, but we'll also, as we teach those classes at Sandals U, it will also give the ability to teach others. And so maybe your family or other people, maybe one day lead a group. So I'm doing the book of Ephesians. Uh, we've got a good friend, also Drew Zook, who's also doing First Peter. And uh, some of the classes are already full, unfortunately, but those are the, but we've got a couple of the classes there as well. And then there's, other one, there's one other thing I really want to talk about this morning, because it's brand new to Sandals Community Church. And that is our new Couples Connect group. So Craig, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so this is Tom's idea. And yeah. it's a great idea. How, how can we help facilitate husbands and wives or those people who will soon be husbands and wives to come together and pray together once a week uh, for 15 to 30 minutes? And so I've uh, put together just you know some devotionals for a 12-week time period, so 12 devotionals once a week, and uh, you'll read scripture, discuss, pray together, and if you would like, we'd love for you to sing and just praise the Lord together too. Um, but the, the devotionals are, are set up to focus on just some of the key components of the gospel so that we get a picture of what the covenant is like that God has with us because we're living a covenant as husbands and wives too. And so we'll touch on things like we were created by God. We'll talk about how sin entered the world and how that affected things. The sacrifice of Christ. We receive forgiveness by faith in Jesus. We receive the Holy Spirit. We're called to live a holy life. Uh, we look forward to Jesus' return, have an eternal perspective. These sorts of things are all involved in that, just to give couples an opportunity to come together and, I don't know, really live out sort of like this gift to share our relationship with the Lord together, I guess. so. Yeah, so we've already had a ton of people sign up for this, and it's been great. And there's actually no limit because you're just meeting in your home with your spouse um, at a time that works for you once a week. And a couple of things that have come out of this is one is that some guys who said, hey, I've always wanted to lead my, spirit, my family spiritually and I just didn't know where to start. And they found this to be a good starting place because the commitment is just once a week and Pastor Craig, who wrote all the materials, can send that out to you. Um, and so you'll have that. And so you have that time and place where you come together, you read a little, read a little bit of scripture, pray for one another. Um, and talk about some of those things. And it's also happened, too, that as people come together, they say, hey, I don't have a lot of time to do an activity group or a community group. And they may, you know, it just might be a season of their life, but they say, I can do this with my family. Mm -hmm. And it helps me feel to be connected with each other in the church in a certain way. And one other thing we're going to do with that group is we're going to have a meeting in the beginning. We bring everybody who signed up for it together. 
I have a little party, and we'll kind of walk you through exactly how one of these lessons work. And then you're released, you know, for the next three months to just go meet on your own. And at the end of it, we'll also bring everybody back together and just celebrate and see what God has done around his word. So I think it's something, I know I signed up for it. I haven't seen your name on the list yet, but I think I'm sure that you'll be there too. Yeah, and being part of that. And I'm kind of really looking forward to kind of going through the lessons that you wrote and just processing those things with my wife, Amy. So those are the things that we offer for you to be closely connected with one another. And our desire as discipleship pastors is that you have the full and abundant life that Jesus talked about in John 10.10, where he said, the thief comes to kill and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. And I think this morning, I mean, we can see clearly it's God's heart that we come together closely connected in community. And now in the season of the church, you have a chance to do that by signing up for one of our groups. So encourage everybody to do that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the love that you poured into our hearts. And we pray that that love would not just stay there and lay fallow, but it would cause growth in us and that we might be instruments of that love to other people just so they can experience the beauty of your community. Give us the strength to kind of work through the difficulty we have as fallen human beings of of being connected the way that you want us to be. But Lord, we know that when that happens, it's worth it all because when we come close to you and with one another and then we're strong enough to walk in this world the way that you've called us to. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen.